The primary purpose of the Matter of a Mind experience is to educate, and it doesn't constitute advice or services. Before making any changes, please consult a medical or health professional. Nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So, welcome back to the Matter Over Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today, I have my man, who's also from Florida. Well, actually, not from Florida, who lives in Florida. Yes. Sleep expert, Devin Burke. And when it comes to optimizing my health, improving my gut, lowering my blood pressure, having more energy, training more, everyone knows that what's the number one topic that I talk about, the most important habit you need to optimize is your sleep and mm -hmm. Devin is a gift to us today because you know new year is coming up everyone talking about oh new year new me I'm work on my health I'm gonna lose weight and all that stuff but if you don't optimize your sleep nothing else really matters that's just the way I look at it I may look at it differently but I say if you have to optimize your sleep before anything else or at least work on it while you're working on everything else so my man's gonna break that down for you see Devin is the best-selling author of the sleep advantage and the founder of Sleep Science Academy, one of the top health and sleep coaches in the world, not just in Florida, right? Not just the United States, which is like 300, what, 375 million people, but in the world, right? <laughs> so he has some knowledge for you today. And of course, your boy never disappoints. I'm going to have a hack of the episode for you. And he's going to break down how can someone optimize their night to win the day? Optimize night so you wake up feeling amazing and ready to crush the day. And with that being said, let's welcome Devin to the show. Hey, Devin, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Zico. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm going to love this episode. I'm going to sit back and let you just drop some knowledge on us today. But before you do that, tell my audience about yourself. Oh, my gosh. Where, where do I start? I mean, personally, professionally. <laughs> <laughs> however you want to do, even if you want to combine it, how, whatever you want to tell us, man. Yeah. Well, I would say I would define myself as a lifelong le learner. I'm a student and probably very much like you, I'm, I'm highly curious and interested in a lot of different things. Uh, one of them being uh, sleep, which is, which is my passion and, and my profession. Um, but anything that's, that's connected to human performance or, you know, really how do we elevate to live our best lives that's that's what I'm about, um, you know, because that's what I've been studying really over the last 15 years, um, but specifically sleep the last six, because it's a vital, vital, you know, I couldn't even believe how vital it is to everything else in our life. Like I was ignorant to sleep. I thought it was a waste of time. I thought it was you snooze, you lose. Um, but my family actually, is, it's interesting. I don't. I'm a great sleeper. My nickname was Narco, actually, growing up, for short for narcoleptic. 
because they would be watching, you know, football on Sunday and I'd be taking a nap on the couch. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I, that's a little bit about me. I mean, I could go in down many rabbit holes, but, uh, that's, that's sort of quick version of, of what I'm about. The Reader's Digest. I like it. I like it. So then I have a question that's going to take us maybe even further down the rabbit hole, right? So why did you decide to focus on sleep? And please don't tell me it's because you slept during football games. (laughs) It was actually, so I was working uh, as a health and performance coach for a lot of high-performing entrepreneurs and people that lead corporations, corporate leaders. And as you can imagine, a lot of stress and someone I was working with had a sleep issue. And so I'd studied mindset, nutrition, and all these different things, but I'd never focused on sleep because I didn't, honestly, I didn't, I didn't think it was important. And so this person was like, Hey, I'm having, this is the biggest issue right now. Like, what do you know? Can you look into, you know, how I can solve this? So I I said, sure. And I started to look into what was available for this person, which I found wasn't very much. It was sleeping pills and something called CBTI, which we can talk about later. and then I started to study, you know, why is sleep important? I started to just go down this rabbit hole for this particular person. And the more that I learned, the more I was like, oh my gosh, this, how could I have missed this? Not only is this a massive problem for people, it's the foundation of health. It's the most important aspect of health. And so you think about it, you can last a couple of minutes without air, a couple of days without water. The next most important thing in that lineup is sleep. Then it's food, then it's exercise. So I, was, I felt like I just discovered something that just blew, blew my mind. I was like, how, how did I not know about this? And long story short, so the more I, I, I learned about it, I was, I was able to help this person. And I said, well, if I can help one person, then I can help you know, millions of people. And there's over 40 million people in just the United States, probably higher now since the last couple of years that have sleep issues. So that kind of set me on this whole sort of journey to really dive deep into the science of sleep and and really how do you optimize it? How do you improve it? And uh, how do you, how do you do it better? I love it. I love it. You know, in the intro, I mentioned that for to when I started working on my health issues, I really had to work on sleep. I actually, I'm actually interested. I'm gonna send you a link to my article that I have on my website on how to get quality sleep, and mm-hmm. just kind of give me some notes on what you think about it. Because a lot of people read it and told me this helped them. Because I talk about resetting your circadian rhythm and the things you should do during the daytime as well, not just at nighttime to reset your rhythm so you can fall asleep. And that's more on the surface level. Um, of a lot of things that we just don't do anyway, like getting morning sunlight, for example, and stuff like right. that, right? But I'm just interested to watch you and what you think. So I'm going to send it over to you. But sleep has been a very important part of my journey and in, in improving and basically optimizing it has been a very important part of my journey. And just like you say, if I don't get quality sleep, I don't sleep well. And come, I, I was raised in Jamaica, right? And you know this. And a lot of times we were not getting sleep as a badge of honor. And they would say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I've said to people, you'll probably will die a lot quicker if you don't start getting quality sleep. So you might be getting closer to that death just by saying that you will sleep when you're dead. You <laughs> need that quality sleep. Like it's not a joke. It's a serious thing. And I'm not going to go into all the benefits of it because we already know and my listeners already know about it, but it yeah. seems like you have something on tip of your tongue you wanted to share. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's not, it's, it's prevalent. Most people don't understand. And now they're starting to understand because it's getting into pop culture. You know, you see the superstar athletes talking about sleep. You see the celebrities talking about sleep. 
Um, and now we have amazing devices that can measure and track sleep. So people are starting to wake up to how important sleep is. There's, and I also think that there's a lot of people that still don't understand how important it is. So, so it's, it's kind of, there's, it is shifting and, and people are understanding, okay, wow, I really, this is something that I need to prioritize. I need to protect. I need to look at it's slow, but it, there is a shift more and more people now are starting to understand, which is great because it, the more people sleep, the better they're able to show up in their life. And then obviously there's, <laughs> if you're not sleeping, you're not a very nice person. You're, you're irritable. You're on edge. You're, you're not, you're just not showing up as your best. So the more, the way I see it, the more people that prioritize and protect sleep, the better the world gets. Love it. And you know, you just gave me the perfect bridge into what I was thinking about asking next. So how can quality sleep increase happiness, promote weight loss and decrease stress? So we'll start with the first one. So happiness. So when we're well slept, we're actually able to better emotionally regulate with people. So there's a lot of evidence and studies that show that when we are sleep deprived or sleep deficient, we misinterpret, we misread emotion from other people. So I'll give you an example. Maybe we're walking down the street and we see somebody and they look at us and we look at them. We might take that the wrong way. We might think that they're, you know, looking at us in a mean way or whatever it is, just because we're, we're the lens that we see the world through is distorted, right? On top of that, emotionally, you know, physically, like emotionally, our, our, our chemicals, our neurochemicals, like the dopamine, the serotonin, and all of these amazing things that support the feeling of happiness get disrupted when we're not well slept. We're not working through the emotional trauma of the day, which happens during REM sleep. That's one of the theories. We really don't know why we dream. One of the theories is that we work through the emotional traumas of the day. We kind of clear that out, the things that were suppressed or repressed through the night so that we can let those things go. So that we can you know, be present, be joyful. Um, and you know, relationship-wise too, if, if you're not, you know, if you don't have the energy, if you don't have the presence to be present in your relationship, there's a lot of couple studies on, on sleep. The biggest thing that creates the most havoc in people's happiness is their relationships. Like if your relationship isn't right, you're not right. Usually if you have a good one, right? So, so there's, there's a lot of evidence and studies that support that as far as if you're not well slept, you're not showing up in that relationship with presence. You're showing up irritable. You're showing up as a, you know, fraction of who you, who you are really. So happiness. Okay. That's, I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a big one. That's a big one. And you just feel better. I mean, think about the last time you, you didn't get sleep. Did you wake up and feel happy? Not at all. Not at all. No, you feel like, you feel like crap. You feel, you know, you, you feel you're, you're dragging, you're more negative. You're just, uh, everything seems a little bit off, more chaotic. Um, so wait, and then weight loss. I mean, during the night we're burning fat. During the night, that's when our bodies are, you know, repair. That's growth hormone, testosterone. All of these things are taking place um, during the night. And then let's say our, our hormones for our hunger hormone, ghrelin and leptin, the hunger and full hormone, those get dysregulated if you're underslept. So then you crave sugar and fat like crazy. Your willpower is decreased because you're fatigued, you're tired. 
So you're eating all the wrong foods, the sugary, fatty, fast foods, and your body isn't able to metabolize and process those foods because your cortisol is high. So you just store fat. And I've seen people that actually have, they've had a really good diet. They've exercised. They're like dialed in, but they're not sleeping well. And they're holding on to fat specifically around the stomach because that's, you know, you can tell, and that's because sleep and stress are bi-directionally linked and the stress hormone cortisol is what stores that fat around the, the midsection. So if you dial in your sleep, you're going to be more, have also more energy to work out. You can push yourself harder, meaning pushing yourself harder means, you know, more definition, more muscle. Obviously you're burning calories at a higher rate. Um, so there's, a direct correlation with sleep and weight loss. Definitely. And I was recovering better as well um, from, from your, from the way that you train. Uh, it's, 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 I love the fact that you tie in cortisol and adrenaline into that whole equation as well, because if you don't sleep well, then it's really hard to burn fat while you're sleeping. Like I work with Lumen, which is um, a breathalyzer that tells you if, if you primarily burn fat or carbs at certain times throughout the day. So you take the test in the morning and it will tell you. And uh, what I usually realize when I work with people who have been in the group for a while, who struggle to burn fat one at night when they sleep, is that I realize that they struggle with sleep quality as well. And when we start to improve that sleep quality, that helps with burning fat fat at rest at a better rate. Even throughout the day, if you're stressed out when you sit in front of the computer, um, our body prefers sugar for energy. That's how the human beings are built. So our body is going to, cortisol is going to rise, you're generally rise. So instead of burning fat at rest when it's supposed to, you're going to become, you're going to crave more sugar to be more of a sugar burner. Yes. I was on someone the other day and I wrote down to him because uh, about the way they train their clients, because all his clients, he tells, he puts them on a, a lot of his clients on a low carb diet because everybody hates carbs these days. And mm-hmm. then he puts them in these high intensity classes. And I ask him, I said, what are you doing? You're putting the people who are not physically fit in these high intensity classes, stressful classes, and you put them on a low carb diet. That's why they are struggling to lose weight because their adrenaline is constantly high. Their stress levels, their cortisol are constantly high, but you're not giving them the right nutrition based on how they're being trained. So you have to, con- you got to get out of the mold of this is my program and into what works best for that person based on what their needs actually are. So didn't mean to digress, but I wanted to add to that point of weight loss. I love what you're saying. And what, another interesting thing I think that you brought up here is blood sugar regulation. So there's actually some studies that show that just even after one night, of poor sleep, your insulin is to the point like pre you're well slept. Okay. You're not pre-diabetic one night of less you know sleep, a few hours of less sleep, you get your blood test done. You're pre-diabetic all of a sudden because your insulin gets dysregulated. So your body's not able to regulate your blood sugar because it's under stress because of all the cascade of hormone effect from not sleeping. So Really, when we talk about sleep, you got to talk about hormones because, I mean, that's massively impacted when we're not getting the sleep that we need from insulin to cortisol to to testosterone to growth hormone. All of those things, you know, need during the night. That's when all of that's being released. And when we're not getting into these deeper stages of sleep, we're interfering with that very important process. Definitely. So then let's say. Let's talk about insomnia a little bit, right? Can I break that down towards kind of what insomnia actually is versus what people may think it is? And yeah. what are some natural ways that people can do to solve insomnia? Yeah, so there's a lot of different classifications of, of insomnia. 
So we'll start with the the two types, the most prevalent types. It's onset insomnia and maintenance insomnia. Onset meaning having trouble initiating sleep, getting to sleep. Maintenance being having trouble staying asleep, right? There are two, and then there's subtypes. And the subtypes, you could have transient, acute, or chronic. So transient is just a couple of days. Acute is a couple of weeks. And then chronic is after three months, right? And sometimes you can have both. You could have onset and maintenance insomnia. And a lot of people have insomnia, but they don't know it. They have, they, you know, so if an easy way is if you're having issues either getting or staying asleep, and that's been going on for longer than three months, and it's more than three times a week, it happens more than three, then you have the class, you, you could be say you could say that you have insomnia because you do. Um, and most people just don't know. They don't know the, you know, the clinical definition of that. But then there's also something called psychophysiological insomnia. And most people that have insomnia have this type, and it's it's also called learned insomnia. And this happens when there's a uh, hyperarousal loop because sleep and stress are connected. They're bidirectionally linked, meaning the more stress you have, the less rest you get. The less rest you get, the more stress you have, both mentally and physically. So this becomes this, this loop of I'm stressed, so I'm not able to rest and sleep. And then I'm not sleeping. So I'm experiencing more stress and then it goes on and on and on and it becomes a physiological and, and psychological pattern that can keep people stuck for, in some cases, decades. Um, right. And oh, something I'm going to add on to what you, for kind of, well, not add on, but you said it, I'm going to kind of clarify that part for an audience too, because you mentioned if you're struggling to fall asleep for, let's say, you said three times a week for about three months, you said, right? You no, you said you Right. And, and, but I also would, I would assume it also um, being the case if you struggle to stay asleep as well, three times, a, three times, a, um, three times a week for a period of time as well, you can say you have insomnia. Sorry, I took a exactly. while to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, it, it, that's exactly right. So, and so here's the thing though, to every, everyone throughout the night does wake up. We're just not conscious of it. We actually, after a full cycle of sleep and we're getting like four to five cycles of sleep a night, depending on how long you sleep, that when you complete that cycle, you're essentially coming out, out of sleep. You're just not conscious. And then you're going back down into the next cycle. And so what can happen is people come out of that sleep and then, or they have to use the restroom right in the middle of the night. And then their mind starts to race. And then they, ha- and then it takes them an hour or two hours, or maybe up the rest of the night, and they're not able to get back to sleep. And that, that then becomes a pattern. And that's when you really need to do something about it. Seriously, I wear, I, I have a sponsor set of adult diapers that I wear. So I don't even need to get up, right? I just kind of let it flow and then go right back to sleep. And then that's a great, warm, right? you know, I'm going to have to borrow that. That's a great strategy. <laughs> I'm joking everyone. I don't wear adult diapers. If, if I get to that point in life, might as well just get rid of me. So, um, but, but seriously, but uh, now because we're getting really deep into the rabbit hole on sleep here. And I love it. This is some really good information that people are not aware of. And you being an expert in the field. And before the episode, we started talking about napping and I want to set this up for everyone because my question was, I nap like when I, if I need, like, I feel I need to pick me up. Right. And I would just lay down and 
30 minutes later, I get up. So I probably fall asleep for 20 minutes, maybe 25. I don't really keep the minutes or whatever, but I don't stay asleep for like an hour or two. I don't consider that a nap. A nap to me is like 20 minutes or maybe 25 or whatever. So explain that to us. What What is actually the science behind napping? What's considered napping? And why is it that, well, what's a time frame we should nap? Why should we nap within that time frame? And why is that beneficial to us? That's such a great question. So, so first and foremost, napping is a fantastic strategy if you don't have sleep issues, if you don't have insomnia. And the reason for that is because throughout the day, there's a, there's a chemical that builds up in our bodies and our minds called adenosine. And you can think of adenosine as like your drive or your hunger for sleep. And it builds up all throughout the day. It builds up this sleep pressure. So then that creates sleepiness at night. And then you go to sleep and it gets cleared out. And then it, again, the next day, right? It, it builds back up. So this is a natural sort of miracle that happens in, in our bodies. So for people that have issues with their sleep, the reason why napping isn't a great strategy is because it reduces sleep pressure. It reduces the adenosine. And then that can interfere with you being able to fall or stay asleep at night. For people that don't have sleep issues, napping is an incredible thing to do. It's an incredible thing as long as you do it right, because you don't want to get into the deeper stages of sleep. And that usually happens after about 20 to 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. You're then starting to get into the, you know, Delta sleep or REM sleep. And those are very deep stages of sleep. And if you wake up during one of those stages of sleep, you could wake up being even more tired, even more groggy than when you went, when you took the nap and, you know, you feel out of it. So you don't want to get into the deeper stages of sleep in a nap. You want to really, you know, what I do is I set an alarm on my phone for 25 minutes if I'm going to take a nap. And usually it takes about five minutes to get comfortable. And then, you know, you're, you're, it takes a little bit of time to get into the sleep. And then that's that's perfect. Like a power nap is 20 minutes. But you don't want to do that too late in the day because even if you don't have insomnia and you, you nap too late in the day, it's still going to affect that sleep pressure system and you're not going to get as high quality sleep that night. So when you say later in the day, what time frame are we thinking about here? So, I mean, here's the thing. Our, our body temperature naturally dips around 1 to 2 p.m. So, and that's our body temperature needs to drop two to three degrees Fahrenheit at night for sleep to happen. So a lot of people, that's like the ideal time to nap because it's a natural dip in your body temperature. And a lot of places around the world, they take what's called siestas. I don't know, Jamaican, you have siestas? No, I just go to sleep. Okay. So, <laughs> so, um, but you know, Mexico and a lot of Spanish countries, they, they take these siestas in the afternoon and it's, you know, part of that's cultural, but another part of it is our body, again, our body temperature drops. So after lunch, you know, between really like one and two is like a great time to nap if you, if you can make the space because then it's going to give you that boost of energy to get through the rest of your day um, and be present and focused um, without the need for caffeine, which is a big no-no when we're talking about sleep quality. Yeah, especially later on in the day. That I have a funny story. It won't take long. When I was in uh, college, out one semester, I decided to work a full-time job and take 18, I think it was 17 or 18 credits, like six classes, right? And I don't know why I thought I was Superman. And a couple of the more advanced math classes on top of that. So. The first, I think it was the, my first Saturday, I was home studying and I was tired. I wasn't sleepy, but I was t- mentally drained. 
And yeah. I, I and I don't really even drink caffeine that much. So I said to myself, let's try a five hour energy. Never had this thing before. And I took a five hour energy. I was still mentally tired, but I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> so yes. that was like an outer body experience. I'm about, like I was exhausted. <laughs> I still couldn't study, but yeah. now I can't fall asleep to get the rest to study the next day. So I ended up dropping my, going to school like Monday and drop one of my classes. I'm okay. This I'm either going to die or fail my classes. <laughs> and this thing. So let me not do that to myself. So just, you know, just, just food for thought there about the caffeine. Yeah, the caffeine is, well, caffeine blocks adenosine. Adenosine is what builds up that creates the hunger and sleep drive. So caffeine actually blocks adenosine. The, the neuroreceptors, it looks very, if you look at caffeine, the molecule of caffeine, and you look at adenosine, they're very, very similar. And so that's, that's how that works. It's like, that's why it gives you a sense, a sense of alertness, but it's really like borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. It's like artificial energy. It's energy that you actually don't have. It just sort of tricks your body in thinking that you have it. Especially if you take, you drink caffeine later in the day, it's not just like pre-workout for that workout, but it actually impacts you later on because caffeine also has a half-life throughout the day. Um, so that's why even if you don't have sleep issues, I recommend taking caffeine. If you're going to drink like coffee or quote unquote pre-workout, something like that, you want to do earlier in the day where your body has time to burn a lot of that off. So your body has time to build up that adenosine before you go to bed. Um, if you think I'm wrong or if you have any opinions on that. No, you're, you nailed it on the head. I mean, the best, the best time to have caffeine actually is an hour after you wake up. So you give your cortisol's highest when you wake up, which naturally, and that's healthy. And what most people do is they drink coffee, which is a diuretic. And you're already, you lose about a liter of water through sweat and respiration through the night. So the last thing you want to do is get dehydrated and then your cortisol's high and what caffeine does is it actually is like dumping fire on a, you know, dumping gasoline on fire. So it stresses your body more, your adrenal glands then release more adrenaline, more cortisol. Now you have a heightened stress level throughout the rest of your day. So if you could wake up and just have water and then wait like 60 minutes, 90 minutes, and then have coffee, that would be like an incredible strategy for all your listeners to start to do. You know, it's interesting. That's what well, I wait two hours. That's my personal time frame. But that's one of that's the main reason why I do it, because I know that my cortisol levels are higher in the morning. Yep. So I usually get up. I actually have habits. Like I do my meditation. I go for morning walk. I get some sunlight. I um I do some red light therapy. I get up at like six o'clock. And so I have time to do all that stuff. And then I start my actually work day around 730, right? 7, 730. And I work for a couple of hours. Then I, before I actually take caffeine and I also do training earlier in the day, depending on the day too, right? So, but I'd purposely wait for that exact reason that you just mentioned, because I don't want to pour, what do you say? Uh, gasoline on the fire. You know, especially if you get up in a rush state where you're like, I got to do this. I got because a lot of us on top of that, we wake up in such a state that we're in a rush. The alarm goes off. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to get out of the house. We're yelling at people in traffic. We got to get to work. Da, 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 da. And then you're drinking caffeine on top of that. So you're high cortisol, high stress, high adrenaline. Yeah. And then you just you had the caffeine on top of that. You're just you're asking for it at that point. And if you struggle with insomnia, then oh my, imagine what you're doing to your body. Yeah. It's a, I mean, what you just described in that started giving me a little anxiety, to be honest. So, <laughs> and so people, you know, people live that, I mean, that's the truth. And then they use, unfortunately people then use alcohol. So they have their caffeine as their upper alcohol as their downer. And both of those things really destroy sleep architecture. They don't allow you to get into the deeper stages of sleep. 
Explain that to us, Asher, because some people say, you know what? I drink wine and I fall asleep. It helps me to fall asleep. So break that down. How does alcohol interfere with your sleep? Yeah, so alcohol actually does help you. It can help you fall asleep faster because it, it acts like a sedative. But what it does is it messes with your body temperature. So you're not getting into the deeper stages of sleep, specifically the REM cycle, which is where, you know, short-term memory gets shuttled to long-term storage, where you're dreaming. So it disturbs that very important cycle because essentially it heats up your body. It, and it's also, it's, you know, your liver has to, it has to process it. So the quality of alcohol is really important when you drink, it's really important but if you're using it to help you manage stress, or if you're using it as a sedative to help you sleep, then there's, you know, you want to really take a step back and, and start asking yourself some questions because that is, it's not a healthy way of, of using alcohol. Um, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying not to drink, but if you drink, drink really high quality alcohol. So if, for instance, we're talking about wine, have it be the best, you know, biodynamic, organic, low sugar um, you know, clean wine, clean wine versus like gas station wine or something. Not that I think anyone would probably drink that, but maybe some people do. So like the quality of your alcohol also matters in the timing. So having a nightcap is not ideal. That's not, it's, it's just, you know, it might help you fall asleep, but you, chances are you're going to wake up. And if you don't wake up, you're not, you're not aware, but you're not getting into the deeper stages of sleep. So I, I learned that for myself. I, I, I'm really, the only alcohol I usually drink is red wine, but I cannot drink red wine past seven o'clock or any kind of alcohol past seven o'clock. Cause if, if I do my sleep quality sucks. And yes. when I first started drinking red wine, um, cause you know, transitioning to like a cleaner version of alcohol, I say to myself, red wine is supposed to be healthy. Why is my sleep quality so bad? And it, and I didn't, and I still didn't figure out the science behind it until you just, you broke it down or even before then. But I, I've realized that when I started drinking red wine earlier, like after maybe six or maybe even seven o'clock and give my body about three, three hours or so, then I'm fine. But if I drink red wine, like eight, nine o'clock, I may fall asleep, but the next morning I feel terrible. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And it, I mean, it also depends on how you metabolize, how fast you metabolize alcohol and caffeine. So some, some people can metabolize it a little bit faster. Some people a little bit slower. So there are some genetics that play into that, but ultimately you want whatever you decide, if you decide to drink alcohol, you want to make sure that it's high quality alcohol. And the earlier you can drink it, not having, you know, whiskey at lunch, but like, you know, earlier on in the day would be ideal just because of the fact of, of what it actually does to your sleep. Devin just told me that since I, I can do my podcast and drink some vodka while I do my podcast, <laughs> I need to get my, I need to get my liquor out the way, man. Come no, on, no, I'm not ready. saying I'm not endorsing that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Before I do that, everyone, we're coming up to the hack of the episode and uh, Devin's going to break down. How can someone optimize their night to win the day? So we're going to talk about that. That's going to be, a, I can't wait for this. I can't wait for this. But before I do that, let me quickly give a gift to my audience out there and tell you about one of my favorite companies, the Amino Co. See, their products are 100% science-backed, built on amino acid technology, first funded by NASA and further refined through rigorous research and independent clinical trials. See, they have determined the precise blends of amino acids to help you become stronger, heal faster, reduce age-related declines, and improve your overall metabolic health. 
AKA become like Zico over here. See, I'm going to tell you about Perform, right? It's an essential amino acid-based formulation designed to improve muscle performance during exercise, enhance mental clarity and concentration, reduce fatigue and dehydration, and reduce recovery time. So I want to tie that into the sleep thing because I drink it before and during my training, and it does have caffeine. But how smart they are with their formulation, each serving has 60 milligrams of caffeine. Not, no, I do take two, I do do two scoops, about 120, um, 120, right? Pre-workout, you should have about 200 milligrams of caffeine. But because of the formulation of the essential amino acids, along with the creatine, which helps with mental clarity, you don't need 200, 250 or 300 milligrams of caffeine to be able to perform well in your workout. And they purposely do it that way. So especially if you're struggling with sleep, may want to think, hmm, may not do pre-workout that has two times, three times the amount of caffeine. I know one guy that takes like 500 milligrams of caffeine a day. I don't know how he's still alive. But, as, you know, you don't want to do that. But if you take Perform before your workout or even right up approaching your workout, which also has the essential aminos and the creatine, which helps you to perform better and stay mental, mentally sharper, you can take less caffeine and power through your workout. See, the, the ingredients in Perform have been clinically proven to improve strength and physical performance. And check out these wonderful trials. I love to read these off. 20% increase in exercise completed. 22% increase in endurance, 11% increase in peak power during exercise, 10% improvement in cognitive function during exercise. And again, think about the cognitive function piece. We think about concentration, but it only has 60 milligrams of caffeine per serving versus pre-workout. And we have 200 milligrams of caffeine plus the sugars on top of that. Because my favorite flavors of, um, of Aminoco are the all natural flavors. Which which does not use um, sucralose and a lot of those artificial um, artificial uh, sh- um, sweeteners as well, right? So the non-natural flavors, those are the ones that I recommend the most. I think those are best for the health of our gut anyway. And again, the less the caffeine, the, the the creatine along with the essential amino acid blend, fantastic, absolutely love it. So the website is zikohealth.com. I'm sorry, said that wrong. The website is aminoco.com slash zikohealth. My code Zika Health gives you a 30% discount off their products. And of course, the link will be in the description of the episode as well. And with that being said, I know you're tired of my voice. So we're going to go back to my man, Devin Burke, and he's going to tell us how can we optimize our night to win our day? Zika, so I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you the, the, this is the cheat, the cheat version. So that's a three, two, one sleep. Okay, so three hours before you like to be asleep, no food, right? The reason is you don't want to be trying to sleep and digesting your food at the same time. It gets in the way of the Delta deep sleep that happens in the first quarter of the night, the first sort of the money sleep hours, if you will, from you know 10 p.m. to about 1 a.m. So we don't want to be digesting food, okay? Two hours before you like to be asleep, no work. Why no work? Because one of the biggest things that affects people's sleep is a racing mind. And if you're trying to solve life's big problems, your business's big problems, your family's problems, you know, right up until your bedtime, your mind is going to be racing and you're going to, that's a sure bet of either having issues getting to sleep or staying asleep. And then one hour before you like to be asleep, this is when you would start like a bedtime routine. So this could be stretching and making love to your bed partner. 
This could be reading something relaxing. This could be prayer, meditation, hot bath, which will drop your core body temperature. Anything that's going to prepare your mind and body to get into that parasympathetic nervous system that doesn't involve screens, that is the key. So if you practice the three, two, one sleep, you can bet that you're going to be able to fall asleep faster, sleep deeper and wake up refreshed so that you can conquer and win the day. Love that. And I have a question for you, a follow-up. Where do you fall on, let's say, blue light blockers um, in that process? So there is a lot of studies that show absolutely blue light blunts the melatonin process. For me personally, I think it's more the hyperarousal that happens in the brain from the social media, the checking of the emails, the watching of the crazy Netflix shows that are so good that you want to keep watching them. So it's more of the hyperarousal, but the blue light definitely does affect melatonin production. How much? That's debatable. So, you know, if this is every night doesn't have to be a three, two, one night, maybe it's just a three, two night, right? And then, but if you can hit the three, two, one, that's, you're going to, your sleep's going to improve because yeah, you want to be flexible watching a Netflix show once in a while or a movie or whatever it is. Okay. But if you really want to jump into high performance mode, the three, two, one, stay away from the screens. I love it. So three would be, okay. Three would be um, eating within, not eating within three hours of bed. And then two would then be um, crap. What was two again? Not working because you you don't want your mind, you know, you, you want to start to, to slow. You want to essentially practice mental rest which really people should be practicing throughout the entire day. And most people don't, they go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And that builds up this momentum, this mental stress that then becomes physical stress. So having a bed buffer or like the time between your day and your night is really, really important. And now that most people work from home or can work from home, they're taking their work right into their, their, you know, their life. And there needs to be a boundary. So practice that two-hour mark. It gives the brain enough time to start to slow down so that it's it not so wound up. So it makes one easier, which is doing something that shifts you into a parasympathetic state, right? That's correct. You're preparing yourself in two for one. Love it. That fantastic information. Three, two, one. I'm going to... I'm gonna start singing that. Maybe I, you know, play that as a song on my guitar somehow, like three, two, one or something. So three, but that's, two, that's one, a, yeah. Three, two, one, nice and simple. Like simple. Like I said, staying away from screens or like I say, if you wear blue light blockers, that can be beneficial for you. Adding that into your routine, especially if you have to be on screens for whatever reason. But the best yeah. practice is to stay away from screens altogether if you can. Um now, Devin, let my audience know how can they learn more about your work? So sleepscienceacademy.com, and that's for you know anyone that's suffering from insomnia that feels like they've tried everything and they're looking for a solution, that's that's where we can you can find me and we can help you. Awesome. And the website will definitely be in the show notes. Uh, these are going to be zikahealth.com slash the sleep advantage. And of course, the link to the show notes will be in the description of the episode as well, because everybody knows I'm just that kind. But you know why I'm that kind? Because I get quality sleep. Who knew? So thank everybody for being here. This is a fantastic episode. Devin, you're the man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Zico. You too. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone 
who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.